Today on Inside the Ropes, Ryan Ruffles was front and centre in a huge weekend for Australian golf, and he'll join us to chat through the drama. Bry Lyle and a cause that's dear to all our hearts, and we'll take a special look forward to this week's PGA Championship. Let's go. You're listening to Inside the Ropes, Australia's must-listen-to golf show with exclusive content from both home and abroad. Subscribe through your favourite podcast app or listen at golf.org.au. G'day, everybody. Welcome to the show, Inside the Ropes, episode 175, if you don't mind. Uh, Great to be here. Uh, Great to have your company on a week that has just dished up a heap of stuff to talk about. Uh, who better to do it with than the one and only Mark Hayes, who joins us as he always does. Hello, a great man. You're well? Hello, Murray. Yeah, particularly well. Um, my thoughts, obviously, with all those sitting around Victoria who can no longer play golf um, as we as we have been for the last few weeks. Um, I know that everyone around Australia sympathises with what's going on in our backyard here. Uh, we, we, we're feeling that love and we're also feeling the pain. So, uh, yeah, it's tough tough time, but we were heartened this week, Andy, to see uh, a lot of golf back on deck and uh, mm. some also some really promising results from a heap of Australians on the, on the world's tours. All over the place, Australians were sticking their nose in the frame and threatening to win and, um, you know, promising of better things to come. So there, there's all of that to get through. One of those, um, probably the story of the week, really, from an Australian perspective, was Ryan Ruffles. Um, again, by virtue of your great relationship, Hazy, with these young Australian players around the world, um, Ruff's decided, yep, I'll come on and have a chat, which is just fantastic. I can't wait to catch up with him after what he went through. I, I, it's a real credit to him. He obviously poured his heart out to us last year when he was talking about coming back from the doldrums and he, he was within millimetres here of uh, taking that massive next step and to, for him to be heartbroken. He admitted that on social media yesterday, but then to front up and chat to the people here who've supported him um, through the years, I think it's great credit to him and, and we'll chat to him and Andy, another favourite of ours. Um, also, I think we're going to try to chat to later on a really important thing uh, that Bryony Lyle, the, the wife of the late Jared Lyle, is doing, and hopefully we'll get to chat to her a little later too. Here, here. We'll definitely do that. Righto. Uh, she's a bit of an open book. We'll, we'll save our PGA, uh, the first major of the year. We'll save our little preview of that right to the very end, and depending on when you're listening to this, we might be knee-deep into the tournament anyway, but... Hopefully you listen to it before the first ball gets struck. Tiger's been there all week while Justin Thomas was reinstating himself as number one player in the world. Tiger's been over at Harding Park making one-handed putts and doing all sorts of stuff. We've seen little (laughs) bits and pieces leaking out uh, thanks to those who are on the ground over there. So he's uh, well and truly chasing number 16, isn't it? So he's in in the mood for victory. So So we'll park all of that. Uh, until the end, because there's a lot of bits and pieces to get stuck into. You, the floor is yours. Where, where, what's the one thing that you that's caught your eye in the world of golf this week that you want to talk about? Well, it really is. Uh, we're spoiled for choice, as opposed to many of the weeks we've been enduring while the the, the break from tournament golf's been on. I just really thought when we took a break in March that Australia was on some sort of a roll, Andy, and when we resumed. Yeah. It sort of sputtered it to me. It just didn't have that same zing about it. And I don't know if that was a a mental thing or just purely the results. But this week, without a victory anywhere, 
Oh, God, did the Aussies sort of uh, punch above their weight again on these tours. We, we will mention Ruff. He finished second agonisingly after leading for most of the way on the web.com tour. Oh, sorry, I should say the uh, Corn Ferry tour. Just yeah, that's the one. That's there. the one. Yep. Uh, but what caught my eye, I mean, it has to be what happened at the WGC event. We, we don't often crown a new world number one, although having said that, it seems to be with increasing frequency this year. Mm. But Justin Thomas... And Brooks Kepka to me, were the you know the, the primo ticket of what happened. I don't know if you felt the same way. Yeah, I did. It, it was hard to um, separate yourselves from you know. Obviously, Kepka with you know a major just around the corner. It's becoming a bit of a cliche now, isn't it? You know, oh, majors around the corner. We haven't seen or really heard of Kepka for three or four months or whatever the time lag might be leading in. Certainly not going to be that between majors this year, but. Um, he gets himself up. Now, Now you're a brave man. I know history's against him. You're a brave man to tip against him coming into the PGA Championship this year, but, but next this week, I should say, but he just looked every bit the, the draw card, as did Justin Thomas, who, who reclaims the number one world ranking for the first time. He had it for four or five weeks back in 2018. Um, he's a different player now, this bloke. I remember we were doing the show... Back then, we been. I don't know whether we were we doing it when he ascended to number one the first time. I think we probably yeah. were. Yeah, yeah, we, we were. were. And we used to talk about Justin Thomas being this kind of all or nothing type player. He'd miss a cut every four starts, and you know he could shoot sixty four just as easily as he could shoot seventy six. And those days are gone with Justin Thomas. He is a much tighter. He's still exceptionally gifted and has a dramatic game. Like he's a really interesting player to watch. But he doesn't. He doesn't have the blowouts he used to have anymore. He's a far tighter, um, you know, top level professional now than he was three or four years ago. And don't get me wrong. I still think that Brooks Kepka's best is the best that is going around at mm-hmm. the moment. We have this discussion ongoing, so it's hard to you know talk someone up. But I think he's a, you know, he has now the capacity to focus in. This is Thomas I'm talking about, like Brooks Kepka when he needs to, and that's a, that's a you know a rare tiger-like skill. Um, look, Andy, when he started, when he burst onto the scene, I thought he was a bit of a happy-go-lucky character. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only was he erratic with his golf, but he was just sort of seemed to be bubbling along. I had the um, I've witnessed it firsthand at a couple of majors, but I've also um, at in depth, I'd say experienced it at the President's Cup last year. He's got a nasty streak to him. He is mm. he is a competitor. brutal little yep. competitor. Uh, yep. Yeah. And and I you know, to the point where he can be abrupt and rude, just as some of the ones that we despise. So we heard him in that uh you know, when he was in the commentary booth doing that stuff on when uh, Tiger and Phil were going around in the charity match and he was exceptional. You know, he's still got that larrikin streak and clearly he had a lot of fun with his American teammates. But I don't know. There are too many blokes who've got that little. Um, I'd, I'd, if this wasn't uh, going around the world and the radio, Andy, we might be able to say a few different words. But a real streak of brutal com- competition about him. He is a nasty, wicked little man when he's got a bit of sol. Good, got to have it. I reckon. You know, nice guys. You know, all this. The whole. They very rarely. You know what and. I think if you're in the world of sport, it is so cutthroat at that level that um, we need to, you know, we, we, I think if you, if you want to be elite of the elite, you've got to have it. You're not going to get there 
uh, without it. So, um, you know, that's that sort of comes with the territory, I think, in any in any major pro sport around the world, really. Yeah, and it's exactly why, uh, without having said it so explicitly, it's exactly why I rated um, Cameron Smith's ability to, to compete with him and beat him at the President's Cup so highly because when he's on, like he was at the President's Cup, mm. Justin Thomas, he he is a he is a force. So to be able to c- control that, like Cam did at Royal Melbourne, I think was a real feather in his cap. But yeah, for right now, uh, yeah, he's he seems to he seems to be able to dial it up, which just again gives us another person here at Harding Park, which we'll talk of later, capable of winning um, everything. Not at at a whim, but um, dialing his game up to that next level. And it's why he, it's hard to put too much stock in the tournaments. Um, this harks back to Kepka as well, in the mm. lead up to a WGC or a major championship. Here, here. So, so for those who uh, are regarding Brooks Kepka, for those who have sort of been, oh, he's a bit, you know, this, or he's a bit, I can't find a way of engaging with him. He's a bit sort of, you know, he's a bit sort of, you know, robotic or whatever. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't display an awful lot of personality. I want to, I want to warm to him, but I can't. Well, he gave the world a reason to fall in love with him this week. Um, the 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 Bryson DeChambeau uh, seeking a uh, a ruling to to improve his light, just to repl- improve his light. Hit it in the left rubbish, and he just got a bad lie, and he wanted a better lie. And he's talking about animal scrapes and animal holes, and then he pointed to a red ant. The one red ant that was about six feet away from his boy he said, "Look, there's a red ant there. I need I need I need relief." And the, you could see the the, the um, ref was just kind of shaking his head half. This bloke's off his off his rocker. Anyway, didn't get relief and he had to play it. Well, a day later, Kepka's hit it into a similar spot and has been captured saying to his caddy, oh, God, look at that, there's an ant, you know. And uh, it was perfect. He wasn't seeking relief. He didn't want relief, he, he, it, but he just wanted to make a point. Whether he wanted to make the point or not, and I suspect he knew somebody was recording this. He wanted to make a point that that other bloke's a tosser. Uh, this is what we think of him, and we're not going to put up with the, the the absolute tripe that he's dishing up. Unfortunately, week in, week out. Now you can be as obsessed with his scientific approach as you like. You can laud him for challenging the norm. All of that you can be wowed by how far he hits it. All of that, no problems. Go your hardest. But at the end of the day, he's not re- representing the game well at all, at all. And Brooks Kepka in in a five-second video clip that you can find easily if you want to find it, has just flipped the bird to Bryson DeChambeau and said that we're not all like that. So uh, I I will now find myself barracking very, very hard for Kepka. And the best result we get this week is if on the final day, Kepka and DeChambeau are going head-to-head and we can just see them go hard at it. It would be, and that will probably happen at some stage. So these two will probably end up in the pointy end of a big tournament at some stage in the not too distant future, and that will be fun to watch, Hazy. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. It doesn't. It doesn't take any crap, Brooks Kepka, and I love it. He doesn't. He doesn't suffer foolish questions. Um, he doesn't care what people think about him, but he's very forthright when he needs to be and mm. he's just an unwilling unwilling spokesperson but when he speaks it's actually carries a fair bit of impact and I I really like him and I you know I'd rather he was competitive 50 weeks a year but to be honest as long as I see it 
come out in its full glory four or five times a year, that's fine with me. That's that's who yeah. he is. He wants yep. to make his mark on history that way. I, I, I'll tell you what I loved about him, Andy, as well as that story, was the fact that he stood on the last tee with choices to make to try and catch Thomas. And he could have pussyfooted around, but he went for it. It blew up. He didn't care. Yeah. He tried. No. He wasn't trying to pad his bank account. He was trying to, trying to win the tournament, and I love him for that too. Mm. Well, a quick word on Brandon Grace, Barracuda. We'll, we'll talk about, um, well, we might as well talk about it now. Camp Percy was in the mix there for a while. The veteran still mixing it with the younger boys, which is great to see. Uh, his problem's going to be putting four rounds together at the level you need to be able to put it together to win these tournaments. But he was he was in the mix for a long way, Percy, which was great to see. But Brent, the Brandon Grace story about, um, you know, contracting the... Oh, don't you know what happened with Brandon Grace? You're shaking yeah, your head. Much, as no. it, so Brandon Grace gets to the halfway mark of the Barracuda in, in a tie for second. Um, good player, world-class player at his best. We, we know how good he can be. Gets um, to the halfway mark in a tie for second. Start of the tournament feeling great. Gets to the end of the Friday, and he's starting to feel a bit... Just displaying a couple of symptoms. So he declares to the um, tournament you know, organisers, listen, I'm, I've got a bit of a runny nose and a bit of a cough, whatever they were. And they said, oh, you better nick off and go get tested. And they have a very quick turnaround, you know, to find out whether, you get it, whether you're positive or negative as part of the, the bubble over there. Um, so he went and got tested. Lo and behold, he's contracted COVID-19 and he withdraws from the tournament at the halfway mark, sitting in a tie for second, which, you know, when, when the PGA Tour events, you know, the, the reality of life for these guys, when the, when the PGA Tour events sit alongside these WGC events, it's a big opportunity for some of these guys to, you know, make hay while the sun shines. If you know what I mean, with with the, the very best players not always there. Um, so this was a huge opportunity for Brandon Grace. The way he took it was just with good grace. Understood the situation. Didn't have much of a choice to be honest. But that's a that's an that's not a situation you're going to see very often. You'll see players play weekends with bad backs and sore necks and limping around, but they'll try and get it to the house because there's points on the line and a big check to be made and all the rest of it. No choice for this bloke. Once that became, once it came back as a positive, out you go. It's um, There's another story for 2020 in the world of sport. Yeah, it's, uh, I did know that he'd gone positive. I didn't realise the details like that. But, mm. yeah, just, it's, just, it's just hard to con- conceive all it's, this stuff going on, to be honest really with you. It really Yeah, I, I actually marvelled at just while we're, Touching base on the Aussie results, Andy. There, um, you, you did mention um, the Aussies at uh, the PGA Tour event, the WGC event. Mm. Um, I want before we move on from the from the US. I want to give a shout to a couple of people. One was Jason Day for having four rounds in the sixties yep. again, finishing yep. in the share of sixth. I want to make mention of Lucas Herbert, who's in this field um, because of the WGC and, and enabling other tours to, to present players for this limited 78 man field. And he's closed with a 69, 67 when a lot of other people went backwards. Mm-hmm. And while T 49 isn't that important or that special in and of itself, it shows to me in, in an elite world-class field that he's starting, just starting to feel at home a little bit and capable mm-hmm. of doing the shooting the scores that we all know that he can. And because it's a WGC event, he bumped his points up on the the Race to Dubai rankings again as well. So he's actually third now there, and comfortably third, to be honest, on the Race to Dubai rankings. So 
full credit to Lucas Herbert because he can't be as, as, as bold as he is as a young man. He, he can't be comfortable yet in that company. No, but, why? Uh, no. But 69-67 on a, on a tough course with blokes the likes of Kepka and Thomas going nuts in front of you. That's a, that's a good achievement, I reckon. So well done to oh, him. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah just, just and, and also, I just want to mention, Andy, while we're talking about this tour, these tours, um, you mentioned Cam Percy. Cam Davis, who we spoke to last week, just went along nicely without doing anything spectacular, finished in a share of 32nd uh, in that Barracuda event. But that's he didn't want to talk about this last week, Andy, but I'm going to put it on him right now. That's put him to 100th in the FedEx Cup standings, and that's good enough. I'm, I'm calling it in the first week of the FedEx Cup playoffs in a few weeks' time. So that will mean five Australians in the top 125 will play the, the Northern Trust. Uh, yep. There's a week off, or not a week off, it's called the Wyndham Championship or something, the week after the PGA, and then the following week is the Northern Trust, the first week of the playoffs. So oh, Davis yeah. at 100, currently Jones at 82, Day at 51, Scott at 35, Smith at 26, and Leishman at 14, all in. And on the outside, Cam Percy's still a chance to get there. He's 140, chasing to get to 125. So a good result next week at the Wyndham will do him wonders. But well done to Cam Davis as well, getting into the FedEx Cup playoffs for the first time. Here, here. So there's a little fallout from all that that I want to have a chat about in a moment. But while we're in the States and going through the Australians, we, we should just keep mentioning the others. Rod Pampling tie for fourth uh, in the in the old boys tour. Jim Fury. Was that Fury? Did I read somewhere that was his first tournament on the on the Champions was it really? Tour? I think some. I, I think that. now I stand to be corrected on that, but I think I read that somewhere. So he wins, Furyk wins, but Dave um, um, Rod Pampling right up his clacker. So fantastic work from him, and he just he's just very competitive uh, on that tour. Pamps already. Um, Minji Lee hasn't taken any time. She's just slipped straight back into her slipstream in her own slipstream and finishes third uh, as the LPGA Tour. Um, Recommenced at you know the the story Inverness Club in Ohio, um, she just you know sixty nine seventy three seventy in really difficult conditions. Um, she just looks ready to pick up where she left off from, and closed with three birdies in the final four holes. Just to you know put an exclamation mark on it. I just reckon that the tournament rust will come off. Um, mm. She's in a she's in a um, obviously the same position as everyone else, having not played, but a position where her game is so bulletproof, I want to say, yep. Andy, that she yep. can yep. really do some damage in the next few weeks while some of the others, uh, you know, just find, go through the gears and get up and running again. And, I, and, and, and let's face it, there's, it's not going to be diminished, but there are a handful of Koreans who aren't going to be in these major championships mm, coming true. up on the LPGA Tour. So, um, she, you know, she's every chance to re- really make a dint on the LPGA Tour in the next few weeks. And, I, and, and great, while mate. we're at it, I just, yeah, I just wanted on. to give a bloody shout of, oh my God, to, to Sue O, who's uh, just had her whole plans rocked by, you know, everything going on around Melbourne at the moment. So she's still sitting at home now, unable to practice. Um, she's trying to get back on with with Hannah Green when, when the tour gets to Scotland in a few weeks. So hopefully she yep. can get out of Melbourne yep. and get to the UK. We'll see what happens. Yeah, let's hope so. Um, so... Uh, Sarah, we should give a shout-out to another one of our great mates, Sarah Kemp, who finished tied for 28, so top 30 uh, in that LPGA Tour event as well. So well done to you, Kempy. Just a little aside before we get to a break, Ryan Ruffles to join us pretty soon. I don't know whether you noticed this. I saw a clip somewhere on um, one of the 
social media sites, and it was the leaderboard at the end of the WGC event. And it was, you know, winner, position, winner, where they're from, scores. And the last column was tournaments won, or tournament victories, right? World Golf Championship event. Key word here is world, right? We know this is very much an American construct, but, but they want to throw the world in there. Let's, let's embrace everything that that means. Tom Lewis and Matt Fitzpatrick finish in the top ten. Alongside their names, you know what the number was under tournaments one? Zero. Zero, zero, alongside Lewis and Fitzpatrick. Because they haven't won in America, because they haven't won in America, it doesn't count. So, so, look, this is, in the big scheme of things, this is, a, oh, look, we made an error, we'll fix it up, all the rest of it. The Premier Golf League, right, this thing's still bubbling away. This is actually, there's, there's, there's letters of offer now have gone out to some of the big players. About a week and a half ago, it was reported that the real big guys around the world have been given letters of offer. So it's starting to get a bit more formal. We thought, I think most of us thought this was going to be another one of those things that would bubble up and then just disappear because of the might of the PGA Tour would crush it. Henrik Stenson was asked about this after one of his rounds on the weekend, and he, he basically declared, yeah, I've received one of the letters, and I'm a bit interested. I'll keep watching this and see where it goes. I wonder, we all understand this is about money, and we all understand it's about conditions, right? These guys will go where the big dough is and where the best conditions apply. We know what the PGA offers in terms of security and superannuation and all of that sort of stuff and, and money. Right? That's where that's where the world is if you want to go to the biggest show in town. I wonder if enough players look at this sort of stuff, zero tournaments won, and they see this as a true reflection of it's American. You're either American or you don't really count. I wonder whether if the Premier Golf League can tick all of the boxes, prove their bona fides from a money perspective and a conditions perspective, I wonder whether people will look at this sort of stuff and go, you know what, they don't really give a stuff about us. You don't see us on the coverage. There were people complaining. I think it was Huggy. Was Johnny Huggan was complaining. Any chance we might see Tom Lewis? Just say shot. Just one shot of Tom Lewis, who was going absolutely cocoa bananas on the weekend, like coming from just making birdies for fun on the weekend, the, the sort of 30-year-old Englishman or whatever he is now. Didn't see a shot of him because it's all so... F- and we know we've been lamenting that for years here in Australia. Australians mm. in contention in American events or majors in America. You never get to see the Aussies. No chance will you see a shot unless they hit it out of bounds over hole-in-one. So <laughs> I'll well, take I, a breath. But well, I wonder yeah, whether this sort of stuff hey, adds a bit of f- fuel to the fire. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's obviously added fuel to your fire, which I am a very big fan of, Andy. As you crank up for rant number three in two weeks, I reckon that's pretty impressive strike rate from you. (laughs) Um, I I just think that we're at the almost at the beck and call of the PGA Tour on this, unfortunately, because no matter what happens on the commercial side of things, they will just reach out and crush it in the long in the long run by just delivering things to the top echelon of players yes. that we know this needs to take away. We need to skim Tiger. We need to skim Ram. We need to skim McElroy, Thomas. We need to make two or three of them come across to the World Golf League, else it won't stand the test of time in a you know in a medium term sense. Uh, it has to have some, um, I guess, uh, teeth early, else it just won't grab the public attention and. You know, the, yep. that, the PGA will do everything in its power to flex its corporate muscle, which is 
sizable already to to make sure it's crushed. So I just while I love what you're saying, I just have fears that it'll get off the ground. No, of course you're right. That's 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 exactly how it will play out. Um, but you'd love to know. You'd love to see some players actually. Um, exhibiting a bit of disquiet about this. Like, I would love Matt Fitzpatrick to come and say, hang on, I've won five times in Europe. You know, can you just put the right... It's a world golf... Can you just put the right number up for me? Like, just just say it. You know, like, he's not going to, and, and probably not... Certainly Tom Lewis probably isn't either, but, I mean, you know, it's just... It's not good enough. It's not good enough. No, it's, it's, it's simply... It's clearly not good enough, but while the... You know, the old saying is you got to be near the money to make money, Andy, and the money is situated somewhere <laughs> yep. around Jacksonville and the whole golfing world just revolves around Jacksonville and, and its vortex. Yep, yep, that's true. Uh, and, and one last one before we get to the break, and this, this, we should save this for maybe when we get Clates back on the show one of these days, but it, it, I think two of the sort of more measured voices from a professional golfer's perspective in the world over the last fortnight have proven that pro golfers are the last ones to talk about um, rollback and uh, what golf courses and golf course design can do to deal with the um, extra distance that you know ball plus equipment is generating at the moment. Last week it was Ernie who was just saying, "We love Ernie, God love him, we love him. He's like a he's like a he's like a soul brother to us here at Inside the Ropes." But Ernie said, "Just grow knee high rough everywhere. That's the solution. Knee high rough everywhere. Just grow the rough." No, no, and then. Webb Simpson this week was talking about it, and he said, "He said, the answer is, the answer is clear." Said Webb Simpson, "Better golf course design." So <laughs> thanks, Alison McKenzie. Thanks to all of you, all the great designers who you know. Thank you, but you were inept. You didn't know what you're doing. Your designs are flawed. You know what Webb Simpson's solution is to protect dog legs. You know that bunker down on the right hand corner. We just hit it over there now because we couldn't hit it there 20 years ago. We just hit it over there now. You know what Webb Simpson's solution is? is? Stick another bunker in over the back. Just put another bunker in behind it. Just put another bunker in 20 yards further behind the one to protect the dog leg. Problem solved. Move on. Everyone's happy. These blokes, the more you hear pro golfers talk, and I don't know, I listen to uh, people like Clates on this sort of stuff, but the more you hear pro golfers offer solutions to, um, you know, the redundancy of golf courses because of the ball and the golf club combination, uh, the less you really need to hear from pro golfers about this, I reckon. Yeah, I think it, that's absolutely... Well, not absolutely, because... Not absolutely, because there's some are worth listening. Yeah. yeah, Rory would have a different opinion. And I, and I do think that um, it's tough to lump all pros in the same thing because the it ones is. at the of top end where the questions are asked, you know, and they're, they're making their six, seven, eight million dollars a year. They don't care about anything else at the moment other than cashing in while their game's in good shape enough to do that. I think if you were to ask the rank and file, um, you know, good club pro or even, you know, modestly successful touring pro, they would have a different opinion about, uh, mm. you know, what could make the game better uh, for all. Uh, yeah, but I do take your point. I mean, it, but, it's, it, it doesn't stand any scrutiny, that, that logic from well, where it's And I was reading no. that, just shaking my head. And the other thing too, Hazy, last one on this before we get to a break. The last one on this is have a look at their shirts, have a look at their caps, have a look at their golf. These guys are getting hundreds of thousands of bucks a year to support the companies yeah. that create the technology. They're, they're not going to buck the trend. So... Um, we, we, we just got to park all that stuff. We'll keep an eye on it, of course, but um, 
It is what it is. Uh, righto. Ryan Ruffles, he hits at 1,000 miles. Um, he likes hitting the ball 350 yards. He's not going to look to roll it back. We won't ask him any of those questions, I reckon. Let, let's have a good chat with I him. Just need, this, I just eh? need, before we chat with him, Andy, I just need oh, yeah. to just get a yeah. bucket and chuck it over you because you, you are running a little bit hot at the moment. I think I need to <laughs> cool you down a few degrees. It's it's all this isolate. It's not the it's a lockdown. It's the homeschooling. It's the not enough coffee. It's the or maybe too much coffee. Uh, it's all of that. Um, but it's a great game. We love it. Right, Ryan Ruffles going to join us next on Inside the Ropes. Let's go back inside the ropes with Golf Australia. Uh, great to have you with us. We were you were excited. Hazy, you were putting the tweet out. The tweets out. We we're all on the hook. We could not that we could watch it back here, which was unbelievably frustrating. I've got my Golf World app going. I've got PGA TV. I'm trying to find Corn Ferry to a live coverage somewhere. Couldn't find it anywhere, so I'm refreshing the scoreboard frantically at about 7.30, 8 o'clock in the morning. Come on, just give me another birdie, Ryan Ruffles. Give me one more birdie, and it wasn't to be, but... Geez, we're all on the edge of our seats here. Ryan Ruffles been good enough to join us on the show. Our voice well known to everybody here at Inside the Ropes. Young fella, thanks for joining us and, and well played, but but ultimately bad luck. Yeah. Um, no, always good to have a chat with you boys. I wish it was uh, even a little bit better of a chat. Um, but that'll come. Yeah, obviously, yesterday was uh, it was a good day, but a tough day. Um, learned a lot uh, from the experience and yeah, I had one foot through the door and kind of closed close it on myself. So a bit disappointing, but um, still good to be playing some good golf and back in the mix. How do you learn, roughly? What what is you said you've already learned? What what do you take away? Well, I've never uh, led a, an event like that um, through fifty four holes before, so that was a new experience for me. Um, as a professional to have to deal with uh, the attention and that sort of thing through 54 holes, have to deal with kind of having a very late tea time and having a lot of the day to kill in the morning and then dealing with it out on the course. We had very tough conditions the last day. It was blowing about 20 or 30 kilometers an hour and um, a very kind of a PGA tour course, so to speak. It was uh, narrow, some pretty long, some tight fairways, thick rough. So, you certainly had to be playing well, and um, there's a lot of things to deal with that I haven't quite come across before. And for the most part, I thought I handled them really well. I've, I've been doing a lot of work in preparation to try and how am I going to how am I going to deal with it when I do get there? Because that's obviously where we wanted to get to, and where I knew I could get to is leading events and stuff like that. And I had a pretty good plan in place, and I executed for the most part and got a little stiff late and. Um, at least now I've put myself through that situation. I know what it feels like. There'll be no surprises next time it happens. Um, it'll be very. It'll be more familiar to me than it was yesterday, and I'll be able to handle it maybe just that one percent better, which is probably all that I needed to get it done yesterday. It, mate, don't get me wrong. Like <laughs> this is ninety nine percent of a you know a fantastic achievement. So we're we're firstly and foremostly we're you know, wholehearted in our congratulations of you. I'm just intrigued as to the process there because it just seems to me like it's going to bob up sooner than later again because of the way you're playing, which is pretty close to exemplary. Do you reach out to a Luke Mackey for a chat? Do you talk to Curtis Luck? Do you talk to your parents? What do you, what do you actually do when that's finished? 
Yes, I mean, for me, kind of the the closest people in my circle are obviously my parents, uh, Dennis McDade, my coach, Luke Mackey, my strength and conditioning coach, and Jamie Glazier, who I do my mental stuff with. And it was pretty important for me yesterday, despite the disappointment, and obviously coming off the course, I was devastated. I, I felt kind of helpless, to be honest, coming off the course, that uh, jumping in the car and having to drive home and knowing that I really let one slip, the last thing you want to do is to chat to anyone. But I thought it was very important for me to jump on the phone to a few of those people, Jamie and Dennis and uh, my parents, and really kind of uh, chat to them in that moment what I was feeling um, when it was fresh um, so I could so I could kind of relay those emotions to them, what I was feeling uh, in the time, and so we can kind of get on top of it going forward. And despite that not being exactly what I wanted to do, I, I think I needed to, and I think everyone uh, can help me move forward uh, by doing that. So, yeah, I jumped on those calls, um, kind of put it out there and, um, I think we can. We're all we've all learned a little bit from it, and I know that I'm going to be uh, good for it going forward. So, Ryan, have you been able to um, take yourself back to you know you know the kind of key moments in that on that back nine, and work mm-hmm. out uh, what was going on inside your head? Did, did you get in your own way? Did you let other thoughts get in there? Did you can you can you take us inside that because we hear about that a lot. You know that that's part of the process of you know that you guys go through. Can you sort of give us an insight into into how you've assessed that part of what happened? Yeah, I mean, I think the first chance that I really had was Utah, probably a month ago. I was one back playing the final round there, and I handled it really poorly from my perspective. I let the attempt of the day before. I just birdied. I had eight birdies and nine holes on the third round, and there was a lot of coverage, a lot of attention. And I really paid a lot of attention to that. And then when I set that on the course on Sunday, uh, there was a lot of noise. I, I felt like I was playing for more than myself. I was trying to kind of prove a point. So I kind of went over that. We learned from that. And I kind of uh, changed my mindset a little bit. So I really wanted to try and extend the lead as much as I could, keep pushing forward, not just try and play solid golf, so to speak, and, um, and try and just kind of hang on. Um, I really wanted to kind of stay aggressive, push that forward. And for the most part, as much as it was um, as the round, I had quite a few bogeys and quite a few birdies and all of that. Um, I felt quite calm, quite in control for a long time there. And I birdied 15 and then drove it about two inches in the rough on 16, not much at all. Um, And the lie looked down in the rough, but not too bad. And um, we didn't kind of play for any uh, for it to come out heavy or anything, and the ball came out about a 90-yard shot, and it came out. Of, it only went about 50 yards, and that really caught me off guard because at that point I just spurted 15. I felt like I was quite in control, um, and that really shook me when that ball came out with nothing on it, ended up in a pretty bad spot, kind of stuck up in the face of a bunker, um, and right there, kind of things. It just changed a little bit for me. It, yeah, um, yeah. it went from kind of feeling like I was in control of the event, in control of what I needed to do, to all of a sudden now I'm scrambling and out of position, um, and wasn't able to get that up and down on 16, and then kind of 
hit a pretty good shot into the par three, but a, a very tough pin, and I hit it about seven, 60 feet, 70 feet away. Just left my putt a bit short. I felt like I got a bit of a gust um, and then missed the next one. Uh, and then all of a sudden you go from, gee, I felt like I was cruising a little bit to where did this go? Um, and then so I talked to my caddy, Ricca, and I knew I had to breathe the last and striped one down there. And I was like, okay, we're not out of this yet. I've still got a real good chance here. And I got up there and my ball was in a deep divot um, oh, in the fairway. Um, oh. And I had a great number from the fairway for a perfect sand wedge, but my ball was just dead, so to speak. I, I had to just hack at it at the middle of the green. Um, and that was disappointing because despite the bogeys on 16 and 17, I thought 18 I'd already buried early in the week. It was downwind. I had a really good number for a sand wedge, which you're obviously going to back yourself to hit pretty close and at least give yourself the good look at it. Um, and for that ball to be in a div, it was unfortunate and kind of took it out of my hands just a little bit. But, um, yeah, I think the, the turning point was kind of that shot on 16 for me. It just it baffled me the way it came out and kind of changed the flow of how I was going. So that's, that's fascinating listening to that, right? And thanks for giving us the answer. Great answer to you know, a question that might not necessarily be that easy to answer. So that, that's thanks for that, right? So that's the that's the here and now. And you just said something before about your experience in Utah. You know, I wanted to prove a point when I, you're in contention back there. We've been talking. You know, Australian golf community's been talking about you for oh god, it must seem like half your life. But for the last five six years, we know we've known who Ryan Ruffles was. And are you are you now kind of comfortable with just going along at your speed, not needing to prove a point? Um, you you're just doing it at your pace, not not getting sort of down on not meeting other people's expectations. Yeah, for sure. I think that was. Uh, I think I put out a tweet yesterday, Arvo, and um, after the round, and um, for me, it was kind of like I completely, basically, lost my way a little bit in 2018. Um, I lost my card in Latin America. I couldn't see myself hitting a fairway off the tee let alone competing in an event. Um, and I kind of had to get pretty low there for a while um, to then realize what I had to do. And um, I think this process of kind of getting it back together and getting and becoming a better player than I've ever been um, has been really gratifying for me. And I've kind of, I'm starting to really enjoy, like you said there, just chipping away at my own speed, climbing through the ranks at my own pace, kind of working my way through Latin America and now starting to really push my way up on the corn ferry to a money list um, and kind of just going about my business and uh, being able to kind of let my golf do the talking and be confident that my game is now getting to a level that it's just going to, I'm going to continually put myself in that position. Mm. I'm going to continually get myself in the mix and that at some point here, there's going to be a breakthrough and I'm going to uh, kind of bust through that door. And I think for me, when I do that, I think the floodgates will open quite a bit. I think I'll find my little formula for winning. And I think that'll be kind of the last little piece of the puzzle for me. And I think when getting back to proving a point in Utah, I kind of wanted just, I desperately wanted that little exclamation point just for myself to go, 
I've come this long, long way, and now I just want to stamp it with a win and kind of that be like the big exclamation point on me getting it all back together. And I probably wanted it too much, and I wanted it for more than myself. I wanted to kind of show everyone that, like, hey, I'm back, and I'm I'm right here, and I'm one of the best players again. And it just, there was a lot of things going on. And yesterday, I didn't feel any of that. I did a really good job through 15 holes of um, really keeping it together, really staying within myself, and just uh, plugging away at it. And unfortunately, it just got away from me at the end. But, um yeah, there's a. Uh, I feel uh, I'm a very, uh, very much more. Uh, I don't know how to put it, but I'm a lot more mature now. I'm very much more confident in myself and not feeling like I need to uh, to do anything for anything anybody else, and that I'm uh, well on my way. Perfect, rough. Yeah, it's a great answer. It really is, um, mate. You probably occasionally listen to this podcast and hear us talking about you and Coletta and Curtis and all these guys. Um, Back in the day, Greg Norman spurned a group of people, uh, Ian Baker Finch, etc., Robert Allenby, Stuart Appleby, Scotty's done the same. Do you really feel like you and Curtis and Brett Coletta and Harrison Endicott and to a lesser extent Jamie Arnold because he's in a different age bracket are doing something here that's pushing the group of you along collectively so that when we see one, we might see a lot? For sure. I mean, we're all staying together this week um, in a house. Brett and I stay together nearly every week, and Curto as well. Um, we kind of are a little a little group out here, um, out on the Corn Ferry Tour, and I think when I was down and out a little bit, I saw these boys as kind of like, I need to catch up, I need to... Uh, I need to get back to where they are because I've been competitive with them my whole life. And now I've gotten back to that level and I've had a good result yesterday. And I'm sure the boys are now going to be like, right, Russ, uh, done really well. I want to, I need to now push ahead of him. So I think we definitely all, uh, all motivate each other. We're all really good mates, but we all, um, are very competitive as well. And as much as we love to see each other do well, we want to, we want to beat each other and, um, I'm sure that, I mean, Curto and Brad have started to play quite nicely as well. Um, so I'm sure as these next events come, coming up, they're going to start to put forth some good results. And like I said, I'm going to try and keep ahead of them as well. Another excellent answer. I'm, I'm pumped by this, Andy. I'm getting excited listening. No, no, it's good. Yeah, I just wanted to ask you, Ruff, um I'm not sure what it actually means this year, but I know that you'll know where you are. I think you're 30th on the on the uh, Corn Ferry standings. What does that actually mean to you in terms of the 25 and cards and stuff for, for all the guys who are knocking on the door of that top 25? Yeah, so I, I think I saw in an article or something there wasn't much clarity. So the official word on our end is that there will be no PJ Tour cards awarded at the end of this year. Um there will be at the end of our season, the top 10 uh, at the end of like the 2020 season. So at the end of this year, the top 10 will not have PJ tour cards, but they'll be able to get into all the opposite field events uh, until the corn Ferry tour starts up again. Um, so that'll be anything opposite a major, anything opposite a world golf championship. You'll be able to get into those events, but not as a member. 
and then at the end of next year's season, so we're going to go, we're going to kind of have a very big season, probably 50 events or so. Um, there is going to be the top 25 at the end of that will receive the PGA Tour card. So it's going to be it's a marathon this year. Um, there's obviously there's going to be another 30, 35 events or so before there's any cards. So I think if you're a good player and you um, are confident in your ability and confident in kind of the longevity of your game, I think that plays to your benefit. I think the longer the season, you kind of get the better players finding their way to the top. And uh, I, I don't think it's it's a bad way to do it at all. I think you'll get a really clear top 25 at the end of it of who's played really well over the course of nearly two years. So the top 25 is calculated on the 10 or 15 events of 2020 plus the 25 or 30 from 2021? Correct. That does make it... That isn't... Yeah. That is a long haul, isn't it? Like That's a real long haul. Yeah. It's very long. And there's kind of that, like, ah, uh, damn, I wish at the end of this year we could grab a PJ Tour card and be done with it but there's also that little bit of optimism that hey it's a long season I got I can pace myself I can put together some consistency I can really kind of push my way as a feeling like the pressure towards the end of this year with so few events that we've kind of got to get going real quick and find a way into the top 25 or else um and there's always that three win promotion um regardless so if you can win three times you get uh promoted directly to the PJ Tour immediately. So there's that little carrot there as well. Um, there's plenty to play for. And um, uh, personally, I think it's good the way they've done it. I'd, I prefer a nice long season, um, reward some consistency of good play. And um, I, like I said earlier, I think you the true top 25 at the end of that. Well, mate, you had thousands uh, excited early our time over here on a Monday morning. We were uh, we were all in your corner, mate. So, uh, and we stay there. Obviously, we we we're loving what we're seeing. You know, around the world, it's been a hell of a week for Australian golf. With you know you doing your you know Minji doing what she did, you know Jason doing what he did, the old boy Rod Pampling doing what he did. Camp Percy stuck his nose in the frame for a while. So, the Australian flag was flying. You know, pretty high on a lot of tours. Uh, around the world, you, you flew it as high as anyone on the weekend. We can't wait to um, see you get what you deserve. Um, we're, we're with you every step of the way. Thanks for joining us on the show today. We really appreciate it. No, boys, thank you. I appreciate all the support from back home. It means a lot. And uh, hopefully once this whole coronavirus thing is over, I'd love to be able to get home and play in front of some Aussie fans again. That'd be awesome. Yeah, they'll be lining the fairways to watch you do it, mate. Uh, all the best. Ryan Ruffles joining us on Inside the Ropes. Great to have a chat to the young Thanks fella. Much. Better things to come for him. Uh, we'll get a break out of the way. Uh, Brian Lyle to join us on the other side of this. Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia. Uh, great to have you with us on this week's program. Uh, a voice and a name well known to everybody who listens to the program uh, is about to join us to tell us what we can do to help um, kids who need a hand, families who need a hand, kids that are um, battling cancer. Of course, it's Bri Lyle. We know that Jared Lyle's story you know, well. Everybody around this show, around this golfing community here in Australia does, and the work continues. Um, and Bri Lyle's been good enough to join us to tell us what we can do. Uh, lovely to hear your voice. How are you? 
I'm really good. Andy, I'm really good. Thank you. Your world's about to change, Bri. Uh, you've got a day <laughs> off today, and then we go back into remote school, remote home learning, remote schooling, whatever you want to call it. We go back into it yeah. again tomorrow. Are you, re- are you ready for this? Uh, I don't know if anyone's ready, but then I have to remind myself that, you know, people in uh, Melbourne and other areas have already been doing it for quite a long time. So yeah. whatever, whatever. We'll get there. How do you reckon the big fellow would have gone as a home educator? How, how, what would his? Uh, what would he? How would he have gone with long division when the when the when the kid comes oh. over and says, "I've got a few multiplication <laughs> issues, Dad. Can you help me out?" How, how would he have gone? Do you reckon? It's actually interesting because last time we did it at home, you know, I was all fired up and thought, "I can do this. I can do this." And no, I couldn't. Within about a day or two, I just thought, this is ridiculous. I'm not supposed to be a teacher. My child's not listening to me. And I was pretty sure that um, Jared would have cracked it within about, you know, <laughs> half a day and then handed it all off to me and said, you can deal with it. So, yeah. 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 I'd fail great. He, learned... he would have provided entertainment, I think. <laughs> He, he, he cracked it when he had to count past 73, Bryce, so uh, that's maybe a fair indication of what he'd do. Yeah. yeah. Very I, true. I, what I've learned, I'd fail grade five. No, there's stuff they do now that I have no concept of. Genomes, pronomes, oh, there's stuff they're doing. I What? I've got no idea what they're talking about. Um, anyway. I love seeing, um, sorry, anyway, I love yeah. seeing that, you know, like, celebrities in the US were putting posts up about, you know, what is it with grade three math and, you know, what do you mean there's new ways to <laughs> to calculate oh. things and whatever. So it really just makes you realise, you know, everyone's dealing with it. Yeah, that is so true. Right, uh, Yellow Day, we know, you know, what we what, what happened in Australia on, you know, our major tours here and around golf clubs last year. You know, mm-hmm. hundreds of golf clubs around Australia got on board. It's all to continue to, you know, raise money for challenge and, um, you know, th- that's the ultimate outcome. But it, it's a, such a great way for golfers and golf clubs all around Australia to come together. Bri, tell, tell us what we need to know. Yeah. Okay, so it's, uh, it's our second year of uh, our Doing It For Jared campaign and um, we had every intention of running it uh, throughout August and September as we did last year. But... Um, with some discussions with the PGA, we decided to push it back to October, November, which I'm so thrilled that we'd made that decision already. Uh, and it's uh, run nationwide. Um, and all it is for golf clubs is you basically just nominate an existing members day. So we're not saying go and, and create a whole nother event and, and run a whole separate day. It's actually just nominate one of your existing members days. And on that day, if you collect a gold coin from everyone that plays, that's as much as you actually have to do. It is that simple. Um, and then obviously the scope from there is, is quite big. You know, you can, you can do collect your gold coin donations and then from there you can turn it into uh, a dinner, a sportsman's night, uh, you know, you can auction things. Whatever your club decides to do, um, it is all just incredibly valuable and, uh, yeah, just a, a really great thing to be part of. There's a way of... Um stocking you know pro shops and stuff with with you know yellow themed uh merchandise as well I mean, not just not just kind of merchant but but proper golf equipment there's a way yeah. of um yeah, there's a way of doing that as well 
Yeah, absolutely. Every club that registers, um, the registration form is, is online at www.challenge.org.au. You'll see a lot of information there about doing it for Jared. Um, there's a registration form there and every club that registers will be sent a special registration pack and we've got um, a great pin flag that they all get um, that can be signed and auctioned or just saved by the club um, showing that they've been part of it. They get a prize pack of some items from uh, Titleist who have come on board to support us again this year. Um, they get a special Titleist cap for the uh, the organiser to wear so that they stand out as being um, the event coordinator, if you like. And uh, on top of that, we've got our um, quite extensive range of, of Loop the Duck products and various other things that... Um, the pro shops are able to order and uh, and sell or give us prizes or whatever they like. Bro, were you blown away by the country's take up of this last year and and you know everyone's willingness to jump on board? Yeah, I didn't because it was the the first year. I really wasn't sure what to expect, um, and I was blown away and more so by we created a, a campaign that that I knew would work because of, of its simplicity um, it would be a whole nother thing if we were asking clubs to you know it, create a whole new event mm. and run a special day and whatever but it's just work within what you've got and 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 I literally just thought if we were getting a gold coin donation from everyone who played golf on that particular day then that would be amazing but the links that some of the clubs went to was just phenomenal and the amount of money that they were able to raise um, and some of the, the imagery that came out of the clubs where everyone's wearing yellow and it was just, it was just amazing that they all um, got on board and I'm, it's, I'm just, I'm thrilled about it. It's just a, I don't know what it really says about the, the golf community because I know that um, Jared certainly didn't meet you know, every golfer in Australia, but that it's just um, given them something to grab onto, I think, and, and just be part of. Um, and the fact that it we we celebrated the end of it last year at Yellow Day at the PGA, it was a it was quite a visual thing that people could see. Um, yeah. That that it translated from the uh, you know the the grassroots clubs around Australia right through to the pros, and that you know everyone was part of it. That's the thing. It seems like to me, uh, Andy, that the, the PGA club professionals in particular are the ones doing a lot of driving here along with Brian Dave at Challenge um, yeah. to really make sure that there's nothing forgotten here uh, and mm. why we're doing it. Um, Brian, I wanted to ask you, um, it's all part of uh, Jared's gift, which yes. for those listening, wondering what you do with the money, I think is a really important story to tell, you know, that it's not about buying a, an extra wing of a, of a cancer hospital somewhere, is it? No, it's um, we're, we're actually having um, big discussions at the moment within Challenge about what what to do with Jared's gift going forward. Um, the first project that we're undertaking that um, we're right in the middle of is actually um, working more closely with um, the cartoonist Mark Knight who created Luke the Duck. Uh, and back in the day... Um, he used to do a lot of cartoons using Luke to teach kids about different forms of cancer and 
you know, what, what are red cells and what are white cells and what does it mean to have a tumour and, and what is chemotherapy? And he drew some great informative cartoons that were only ever shared within Challenge. Um, and David Rogers, the CEO, used to joke that Jared would read one of these cartoons as a teenager uh, or in his early 20s and kind of, you know, a light bulb would go off for him and say, oh, so that's what that actually means. Or, oh, I'm learning more about, you know, my own treatment from these cartoons than I am from, you know, the medicos trying to explain it to me. So <laughs> David had spoken for years about... Um, obviously the power of the, this content that we had and how great it is for kids and, and for everybody understanding cancer. So we're actually working with Mark and working with um, a, a renowned doctor in his field to uh, put them all together into a book that we're actually going to release, um, publish uh, probably next year, I would say, and release um, just to anyone. We hope to give it any child that the scenario would be that any child that gets diagnosed with any form of cancer would receive a copy of this book. Um, but I think the power of it is it's not just about the child themselves understanding what they're going through, but it's, you know, it, as a parent, if you're diagnosed with cancer, a lot of parents say, well, how, how do we explain to our kids what's going on? And, you know, if somebody's grandfather has cancer or if a, a sibling or a school friend or a yeah, cousin yeah, or yeah. anyone, yeah. I actually just think, um, you know, cancer can be a, a tricky subject for kids across the board regardless of who the person is um, and using Luke to help explain different for different aspects of it um, is just a really powerful thing so that's actually the first project we've um, undertaken and, and um, we've gone quite a long way with it um, but with the state of affairs you know in Victoria especially in around Australia at the moment um, with the coronavirus uh, it turns out that our Doing It For Jared campaign is becoming uh, probably the biggest fundraiser for Challenge full stop this year, which usually it, uh, last year it was just a, a bit of a drop in the ocean compared to some of the other fundraisers we usually run, but they've all had to be cancelled. So in order to mm. continue any of the services that Challenge offers, um, yeah, I, I really need to push Doing It For Jared as hard as I can this year to... Um, try and generate some fundraising yeah it's an untold damage this thing's doing you wouldn't ever think about that but it's obviously critical for challenge yeah. to keep the money coming in to provide all the services i, I just want to touch on one more thing with the jared's gift thing bry uh, mm -hmm. it, it's not as i said massive issues it's it's about having someone come around and do your lawns when you have to be in hospital yeah. looking after a kid or something for a month or little things like that isn't it it's not it, it's yeah. helping people through the daunting challenges of life with cancer. Yes, yeah. It's it's um, the little tagline we've been using is for the little things because um, Jared and myself know firsthand that um, you know having a trip to Disney World or something is amazing, but that but you actually have to go through all the days in order to get yourself to a place where you and your family are actually able to take that trip. And it's all of the little things that get you through the day um, that, that we found the most value in. And those are the things that I'm really passionate about making sure don't get overlooked and that, that the importance of those little things um, are actually kind of front and centre in, in what we offer to the families that we interface with and, um, and that have kids undergoing um, treatment and 
and through their throughout their recovery. So that's that's the part that's really important to us is um, what is actually going to help them get through that day. Um, and with the current situation, obviously those needs are changing considerably. So it's actually making sure that we're adapting and um, that we're not offering the big flashy things that are impossible right now, but it's actually just what can we do for you right in this moment that's actually going to help to get you through this day. That is so important and it's such a great way of, um, you know, continuing the conversation, keeping memories alive, helping people through difficult times, all of that stuff, all the stuff that you and Hazy just been talking about, Bri. It's such a great way of really helping people. And just listening to you two talking about this, you know, it's you think about the other major sports in Australia, you know, like Aussie Rules 40 years it's it's really cause um, driven outside of what it does from footy and you know cricket has the pink test up in Sydney now and that beca- that becomes a pivotal part of what cricket does and 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 helps you know people in need. This this is golf's this is golf's. I mean golf is around Australia. I don't know uh, whether golf has something to hang its hat on like this. Hazy, you, you'll tell me if I if I'm I'm missing something, but it doesn't. But um, so, Bry and Hazy, this is it. This is this is golf, right? Let's go yellow. Let's do it for Jared. Let's do it for kids who know. Let's do it for the families. You know, this is this is a fantastic thing to become an essential part of golf in Australia every year. Yeah, it's it's um it's interesting you say that, Andy, because uh, when we have meetings about doing it for Jared, um, with the PGA and, and the guys from Titleist and the, and the guys from Golf Australia, and we we often refer to the pink test as being mm. that's what we that's what we're striving for that kind of um, that kind of uh, what is it the imagery around that and the yeah, yeah, yeah. just just yeah. how it brings everyone together that's kind of the, the one thing that we always draw out as being you know like that's the model that's that's what we're striving for. And um, I know especially for Yellow Day that happens at the PGA Championship, um, that's, they're often referring back to the, the pink test and saying, you know, what are, what are the elements that make that so successful and how can we translate those across to, uh, to golf? So it's quite interesting that you, um, that you mentioned that. Well, yeah, well, it's, it just feels like it hazy, doesn't it, you know? Yeah, no, it, it's really important. I can't commend the PGA for what they they do. They've given over a day of their, their prime championship space every year and have a in, strong intention of having it go on forever. And, um, you know, then the club pros to be driving things around the country and all the club members through through GA, uh, you know, it's a great source of unity. Um, I reckon that there was no bigger driving force for that unity than Jared. Um, so it, it's all sort of very fitting, to be honest. I, I, I find the whole movement pretty moving. Sorry for using oh, the yeah, same word no, twice it, there, but it, it's, no, it is. you know, obviously we, we all got um, our ties with Jared, um, but it's just a great thing, I think, to uh, demonstrate the power of the community that we belong in. Um, and, you know, long may it, continue Je- Bri, while, while we have you it's remiss of me it's a tough question and obviously and i'm sorry for asking it but it is a it's a it's a brutal week this one the um it's a it's a couple of days away from a fairly nasty anniversary yeah it's um 
Yeah, first week of August is uh, a tough week. That was the week that we um, that Jared entered palliative care on on the first, and so it just you know thinking back to what we were dealing with these few days, and um, yeah, what the what the girls were dealing with at that time, and whatever, and then his uh, the anniversary on the eighth. So yeah, it's all it's a it's a tough week. Um, little reminders crop up along the way, which is sometimes nice, but it depends if I'm prepared for it or not. Um, but that's okay. We'll, we'll get through it. It's um, it's certainly going to be, if you like, a bit of a non-event given the uh, the isolation that's going on. I'm sure I'll I'll get a few messages and phone calls and whatever, but. Um, I think it's uh, it might actually be nice, really, just for the three of us to um, just reflect a little bit and and um, talk about Jared and uh, yeah, just remember him a bit. Well, we got a lot to thank uh, him for, Bri, but we've got a hell of a lot to thank you for as well. Um, this is this is you driving this, you know, with Dave and, and everyone at Challenge. You're doing a hell of a job. Challenge.org.au is the place to go if you want to know more about. Um, hashtag doing it for Jared. Um, if you want to know how your c- club can get involved, if you want to register your interest, go along to challenge.org.au. Do it sooner rather than later. Make sure you get yourself organised. And um, last year was terrific. Over, I think it was about 200 clubs last year, Hazy, that did it, and a couple of hundred grand was raised. You know, this this is I can see this just going through the roof year on year. So it's a fantastic thing. Bri, thanks for coming on and talking to us about it. It's, it's good to hear your voice. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. I like to talk to you. Thanks. Good on you. Brian Lyle, hashtag doing it for Jared. Yellow day it was at the PGA last year. Let's just absolutely go nuts. When we can get back out onto golf courses everywhere, let's make sure that we embrace this day uh, with everything we have got. Um, We'll get a break out of the way here on Inside the Ropes. Back after this to wrap it up for another episode. Let's go back Inside the Ropes with Golf Australia. Right, we're just about oh, excuse me, just about done and dusted. Great to have had a chat to Ryan Ruffles and Bry Lyle, terrific uh, ambassadors for their various parts of the golfing world in and of themselves. Hazy, it's good to be able to catch How up. How good them, is it, it to talk to those guys? I'm I'm really thrilled that they pick up the phone to us, Andy. And um, you know, Ruff was raw and Bry's raw, and uh, I don't know. They just you just really feel like you know what they're thinking after you've spoken to them. Mm. And you can't ask for more than that. No, no, absolutely, and uh, we will help. We'll help out where we can with the challenge stuff, and we'll continue to watch with a great deal of interest. Ryan Ruffles, do what he does. Right, the first. Do you expect when you turn um, your TV on on Friday morning or Thursday night or whenever it's going to be? Do you expect that the PGA Championship will feel different than the other golf tournaments we've been watching since golf sort of got back up and running? particularly on the PGA Tour? That's a really good question. I think it it always, it's bound to feel different because it's a major championship. And, yep, you know, we, we actually up, remember yeah. what happens here. You know, I, if you ask me what happens in a few weeks' time, you ask me what happened at the 3M Championship, I've got no clue. But I'll remember the PGA for years, hopefully. Um, but I think there's a massive asterisk on it this year because I just can't imagine that we're going to see a crowd-driven run like, Jack Nicholas at the 86 Masters, for example, or hmm. anything that Tiger's done, you know, over the years when the crowd is 
perceptibly the force that's driving them on. You know that mm. that that's what separates that that crowd when Adam Scott, Tiger Woods, and Brooks Koepka were going nuts in St. Louis a couple of years ago at the PGA Championship. That was unbelievable. That was yep. genuinely unbelievable. And and to have that absent, and we heard obviously that the US Open is going to have it without the crowd now. Uh, big question mark on Augusta. Um, it's just. I don't know, Andy. It just doesn't feel right yet. We'll we'll soon find out. Oh, can I just say one thing too? And, and this is not a pot on Harding Park per se, but there should be a blanket rule about um, golf courses slash golf clubs that bid or hope to to host major championships. I, I don't know. It's not the first major that Harding Park's hosted, but if you've got cart paths all over your golf course, you shouldn't be allowed to have a major championship. There's a drone. There's a drone shot that I saw somewhere that flies over the the, the the Harding Park, you know, layout, and you know the trees are beautiful and it's a lovely setting there on the coast in San Francisco. It's you know spectacular. Some of the bunkering probably isn't as dramatic as you'd like it to be, but you think you can't help but just your eye gets drawn to these these white concrete cart paths that just it, look. Again, I'm not going to go on a big rant. I've done enough of that today, but. It just takes a bit of an edge off a golf course, I reckon. We know, we know why they're there and they're going to roll to play and all that, but mm, not for mine. Well, look, you know, I'm, would, if you offered me a chance to play Harding Park next week, clearly I'm all over it. So don't get I'm me a yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, 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 we can't yeah, play anywhere we'll else. Have, yeah. <laughs> we'll struggle, but we'll get through. Um, but let's face it, the, the clubs that host the US PGA Championship aren't the primo ones. Clates is at pains to tell us about this all the time. The great American golf courses very rarely host major championships. Um, You know, we'd love to see a Pine Valley or anything like that, Cyprus, but it's never going to happen. The odd one bobs its hand up, you know, but they're few and far between and we're left with the Valhellas and Harding Parks, etc. It just is what it is. You know, we can go blue in the face talking about this. I'm not worried so much about the cart paths. I am worried about... Um, you know, the the lack of, uh, I guess, intensity and pressure that the crowd brings to bear at the in, in the fourth round of a major. That's what I'm going to miss yep. here, Andy. But, you know, still, I'm sure it's going to be different to everything else we've seen this year. So four 450-yard par fours, one 600-yard par five, one 250-yard par three. And rough, it's going to be cutting to fairways. And, and you know, it's, it's been pretty damp and pretty moist over there. So it's going to be pretty sticky if you miss the fairways. It's... um. It does sound like they're going to set this up to be pretty penal. So fairways are going to be a premium by the looks of it, um, but you've got to hit it a long way because it's not short. So it's uh, there's going to be a lot of drivers hit, and he who controls the big dog the best uh, is probably going to be somewhere close to the pointy end once this thing's done well, you and dusted, you think. You mentioned earlier about Brooks Kepka and that's exactly how he won at um, Beth Page Black, just used the driver to mm. full force, hits it 320 in the air and, and hits it generally straight. I'm going to throw up a very biased name at you, Andy, because um, we do that here on Inside the Ropes. I really, without any sort of tournament form to expose himself to the world. Really fancy Adam Scott here because he does the same thing as Kepka, not as far, but this, I put big stock in uh, mental thoughts about what's happened at a course before you go back there in, in a past life. This is the course where Adam Scott resurrected his, his career at the President's Cup in 2009. 
This is the host mm. course there, and he was he was having a stinker back then. Greg Norman threw him a lifeline, picked him for the international team when everyone said you're mad. He repaid it with some great golf, and I reckon Adam Scott's going to walk through those gates and go, you know what, this has got good memories for me. And the harder it gets set up, the better he'll go. So mm. I don't know. I've just I've just I've got to hang my hat on something here because I just don't think Day's quite in the, in the realm of that magical round that'll win it for him. Uh, and I really would like to see Adam Scott win it, pinch another major or two here. Oh, God, we'd all bloody love to see that. It'd be fantastic. Um, right, anything else before we wind it up? What are you, got any other little tidbits yeah, for me? A few little, say goodbye? Yeah, I've got a, quite a few little tidbits. We just spoke, obviously, to Ryan Ruffles earlier, and his sister has just started her defence. We're recording this on Tuesday. She just started the defence of a US women's amateur crown in Maryland. Uh, as we speak, Gabby Ruffles, Emily Mayer and Kirsty Hodgkins all flying the flag for Australia. Uh, obviously, depending on when you're listening to this, that'll be run and won. But uh, good luck to all the women there. Uh, a lot of pressure on Gabby and the marquee groups, etc. And a lot of publicity beforehand. But all three started well. So hopefully they'll carry that into the match play rounds. Andy, I want to mention a couple of um, grassroots things back here in Australia. Yep. The Australian Golf Industry Council this week announced announced the distribution of the funds that were raised through the bushfire appeal on GoFundMe this um, in February and, and January, and they raised sixty seven thousand dollars just from golfers around the traps, which I thought was fantastic. And it's basically been yep. distributed equally to projects and clubs between South Australia, Victoria, and New South Wales, New South Wales. So thank you to all who donated there. Um, I want to send a. Um, I guess a valet to uh, the family of Dr. Ian McInnes, who was a stalwart of the Loxton Golf Club in SA since 1957, an order OAM, uh, Ian McInnes. Um, he was a manager of South Australian state teams and country teams and held every post under the sun. Uh, going to be sadly missed in South Australia, particularly up around Loxton. Um, mm-hmm. I guess more, more current, um, for one of the better phrases, and I know you'll be very happy about this. For the first time in the 125 years of the Ballarat Golf Club's rich history, oh, I saw there's a this. female president. Fantastic. Great news. Great story. Saw this. Well done to everybody involved in the election. That's great. Yeah. Lisa Gray, who's been around the club for 13 years. He's been on in various positions in committees for the last four or five. And I know that when the Vision 2025 and Shiloh Curtis, our uh, female engagement manager rolled through with the Vision 2025 Roadshow last year that Ballarat took a lot on board. Um, they've been really progressive and I want to give them a big shout. I think that's to be uh, just so warmly commended what they've done there. And I, there's a heap, a heap, a heap of things going on around Vision 2025. And you see on the Golf Australia website, if you see little subheadings on stories saying Vision 2025, there's some great case studies of clubs doing the right thing by not only women and girls, but just more broadly for um, inclusivity and equality. So pick them up if you're looking to make a difference at your club and you need to know how and why it can be done. Um, get on board with those. And and one last thing domestically and locally, Andy, uh, Golf Tasmania. The board nominations are open. If you want to have your say on how things are run down there and the, the haven that is going to be Tasmania for the next little while, get on board. Good time to go and move down there, I reckon. Uh, there's a bit going on. Uh, Hazy, Good to see you. Um, good on you for getting uh, Ruffles on. That was a great opportunity to chat to him, and it wouldn't have happened without your relationship with some of these players. So, um, mate, I'll speak to you soon. 
Perfect, Murray. Thanks, everyone. Good on you. Uh, that's Inside the Ropes, episode 175. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, back next week to do it all again.